Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. Now, today, I am just going to stick to the breastfeeding part, and I'm going to stick to something even a little more narrower than just breastfeeding, and that is the reasons that women have told me why they can't breastfeed. And I want to go into this because I believe that most of these are myths. Some of them have a kernel of truth to them, but most of them are myths. And here's the thing. I have a deep respect for anybody who actually does say, okay, I'm going to do it. And for one reason or another, maybe it doesn't work out. Okay, I get that. And I will help that person. But the truth is, a lot of people just don't try because they've had misinformation or because their friend has told them something. Well, I guess that's sort of the same as misinformation or they've had a bad experience or they've got some circumstance where they truly believe that it's just not going to work. And so they don't try. What I would like you to believe here for just a moment is I've really heard these things. I'm not making them up, okay? I am fairly creative, but over the years, I have found that truth is stranger than fiction. So I'm going to run down for you a bunch of myths that I have heard about why women tell me, no, I don't want to breastfeed or no, I can't breastfeed. And let me be quick to say, if somebody really can't, I... And, and those those are very few. That's Those are not the people that I'm talking about, okay? And I'm not talking about the people who, uh, for some reason or another, uh, they've got something else going on. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who have not had good information, and so they are making a decision based on something that just isn't true. Okay, a misperception, misinformation. Okay, so here's one that I've gotten quite frequently. And it is, I don't want to breastfeed because I'm afraid I'll make my breasts sag. Okay, first, there is absolutely no research whatsoever to substantiate this. And what do I mean? Well, there was one very interesting study. Uh, It was done by Rinker and her colleagues. And what she showed was that there were, in fact, risk factors for having breasts sag. But wait till I tell you what she found. She found that the factors that were associated for the saggy breasts were, number one, having a greater than 50-pound weight loss or a higher body mass index, which is a polite way of saying the person is fat, a larger bra cup size, number of pregnancies, or a history of smoking. So she looked at all of those things. And interestingly, having breastfed before, the weight gain during pregnancy, the lack of participation in upper body exercise, uh, those were not found to be risk factors for this saggy breast thing, okay? And then 
she and her colleagues conducted another study, and they looked at factors that were associated with sagging breasts. And here, what they looked at was older, had a higher body mass index, greater number of pregnancies, larger pre-pregnancy bra size, and smoking. Is this all sounding familiar? Okay. And they found that those were the ones who were likely to develop saggy breasts. But interestingly, in both of those studies, there were a whole flock of things, but breastfeeding was never identified as a risk factor for the saggy breasts. Just saying. So let's kind of think about this for a minute. You probably aren't interested in a full-blown anatomy lesson, but I think it's important to understand why this is the case, all right? And it is that breasts breasts are, are suspended by the Cooper's ligaments. And when these ligaments are stretched out, the breasts will sag. So it seems likely then that women who are carrying excess weight uh, or they wear a bigger cup size, or they have a larger pre-pregnancy bra size, seems like those would indeed have those lig- ligaments stretched out. And women who lose excess weight may uh, probably already be experiencing some stretching of the Cooper's ligaments. So anyway, what I found especially interesting was that the authors of those studies did not offer an explanation for why smoking was related to the saggy breasts. I mean, I had to look at that twice or three times and say, all right, so wait a minute, how does this work? They did not offer an explanation, but I'm guessing that it might be because the breasts are highly vascular organs. And so it may well be that they have less circulating oxygen-rich blood and therefore likely to be that they're more vulnerable to the sagging. All right, I'm just guessing, but that seems to make sense to me. What I think is important for you to remember is that when two studies show no correlation between breastfeeding and sagging breasts, you should not spend a whole lot of time worrying about if breastfeeding will make your breasts sag, all right? I've seen plenty of women who have breastfed multiple babies and their breasts do not sag. And by the way, the absolute best example that I have ever known of this is my own mother who had a figure like a model until the day she died. She never weighed more than about 105 pounds, and she absolutely was just, she had an amazing figure. I used to say that I wish that I would have a figure as good as hers when I got her age. Actually, I should have just said, wow, I wish I could have had had her figure anytime. She had a great figure. All right, so I think this is just one big myth. I've not seen it in real life, and it can't be proven in science. Okay, here's the next one. I can't breastfeed because I'm going to have twins. And the implication there is, I'm going to have twins, so therefore I won't have enough milk. All right. So let me just be quick to say here that I've known mothers who have breastfed their twins. And some of these mothers have breastfed their twins exclusively. I can think of one mother right off the top of my head who breastfed her twins exclusively for six months. She continued to breastfeed them after she went back to work at... I think six months, maybe four months, I can't remember. And she continued to breastfeed them until they were more than two years old. The last I knew, I think they were about two and a half. So it absolutely, and she very proudly told me that not one drop of formula had ever gone past that baby's lips. I want to tell you though, 
she got plenty of flack in the hospital, which I warned her about when she was pregnant. She told me, uh, oh, I'm going to breastfeed. And I said, that's really great. I just want to tell you that when you get to the hospital, there are people who are going to tell you that your baby needs to be supplemented with formula and you need to be able to advocate for yourself. So anyway, that's my song and dance about the fact that this absolutely can be done. But I can tell you that the ones that I have found who are successful breastfeeding twins are those who have had plenty of support. And by that, I mean support from their spouses, their doctors, their mothers, their co-workers, their second cousins, their BFFs, and everything else. All right? It means not only the rah-rah, you can do this. It means people to help them with some household chores and much more. That's what I mean by support. Okay? But where I've seen this unravel is when other people are busy telling the mom that she can't or that she won't have enough milk. So... I've also seen mothers that have twins born before term, that is premature or preterm babies, which, by the way, often goes hand in hand. Okay, twins usually come before term. And again, they have breastfed successfully. So you're going to ask me, is it going to be easy? Uh, Probably not. But can it be done? Absolutely. So here's the thing. I think that a lot of moms are really fearful that they won't have enough milk. And then we who are the professionals and the experts, we reinforce that, which is just not true. Uh, So I think that you've really just got to keep in mind what's going to work, what's going to help here. And skin-to-skin contact is critical. It is a, the frequent stimulation is critical. There is good proof in the research studies as well as in my own clinical experience, to show that mothers can and do have enough milk and enough skill to breastfeed twins and triplets and even quadruplets. Now, I'm going to tell you another thing. This is like kind of a variation. And that is that sometimes the pregnant mother has been told that her baby has some sort of serious condition. So, Let's say that she's been told that her baby will be born with Down syndrome. Often when I've talked to these mothers and I ask them about breastfeeding, they say, well, yeah, I was going to until I found out about this. Okay, well, I want you to back up and I want you to get the facts on this because in my experience, there are very, very few conditions that are absolutely contraindications for breastfeeding. Very, very few. All right. Now, let's take the Down syndrome. If you've been listening for a while, you might have heard my guest, who was Doris Stiebeck. And I'm thinking that was several months ago. But anyway, uh, Doris very successfully and very happily breastfed a baby with Down syndrome. And as I recall, that baby had very, very little formula, if any. She was either exclusive or almost exclusive. So, you know, I kind of want you to just, when, when somebody says to you, or because you think you can't, you need to be able to get the facts. Here's what's uppermost in my mind right now. Yesterday, I spent the better part of the day preparing a uh, uh, presentation on PKU, that is phenylketonuria, for professionals. It's part of my uh, continuing education offering, part of my uh 90-hour course to prepare lactation consultants for the exam and so forth. And I really hammered home to them that even babies with PKU, phenylketonuria, 
can breastfeed at least some. It will not be as much as other babies can can breastfeed, but at least some breastfeeding can be done. So if, and I know I'm jumping the gun here a little bit because I'm sort of addressing pregnant, pregnant mothers, but if you're already at the stage of the game where the baby has been birthed, don't let somebody talk you out of breastfeeding just because your baby has something going on. Here's another one. I can't breastfeed because I tried it last time and it didn't work. Wow. Okay. Now, first of all, let's get the myths and the facts straight here. I truly believe women when they tell me that it didn't work last time. That's a fact. It's an irrefutable fact. I absolutely believe them. However, the myth is that just because it didn't work last time, it won't work this time. Now, I distinctly remember who told me, no, no, thanks. No, no, I've done this before. Look, I tried this. I tried this with baby number one and number two and number three and number four. And oh, by the way, none of them worked. And when I'm talking to her, she's on baby to number five. But you know what? With just some simple instructions, she was able to very appropriately breastfeed her baby exclusively. And last I knew, she had exclusively breastfed that baby for about five months. So here's the thing. She was highly successful, and all I gave her was just a little bit of support. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'll be right back with more myths after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host for the show, and I would like to invite you to do two things. First of all, I would like to invite you to visit me at MarieBiancuso.com. Again, that's Marie Biancuso. I'll spell it for you. I've been spelling it for a lot of years. I can do it again. It's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O, MarieBiancuso.com. I have something there for you. If you are thinking of becoming a lactation consultant or you have friends who are, please remind them that the Felix Biancuso Scholarship is being offered, although by the time this show airs, I think it might be over. I'm not sure. Uh, I will be offering courses this spring, and I also want to let you know that I will be speaking at a conference in Delaware on World Breastfeeding Week. It will be August 2nd. If you are a parent or a provider, I can't give you any more information because actually, uh, right this moment, I don't have a lot more information. But uh, I will stay updated and keep looking at MarieBiancuso.com and we will give you information as we know more. All right, so I'm looking today at things that are reasons why women have told me that they don't want to start breastfeeding, and I go on the premise that they've gotten misinformation or they have misperceptions because of these myths. All right, so here's the one that I've only heard like one million times in my life, and it is, I can't breastfeed because I'm going back to work. I'm sure this is like a multifactorial big myth. First of all, I think that the reason that people think this is that they think that if they can't breastfeed for the six months that the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends, that somehow they're a lesser mother or a lesser being or that they, I don't know what, but I think that they think that since they can't do it all of those months, then they shouldn't do it at all. And that's just not true. I have said this for almost four decades now, and I'm going to say it to you as well. Any amount of breastfeeding is better than no breastfeeding. So, for example, I can tell you that when I was working labor and delivery and somebody said, no, I don't want to breastfeed because I got to go back to work. My standard response to that was, are you going back to work tomorrow morning? And you can imagine they kind of chuckled and said, well, 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 no. (laughs) I said, okay. Well, then why don't you just breastfeed her until you go back to work? And it always seemed to me that people were a little bit like, oh, uh, like that wasn't really registering. And I think it's because we've made too big of a flap about this business about six months. If you can do it for six months, 
that's fantastic. But if you can do it for six days or for six weeks, that's fine too. Some breastfeeding is better than none. All right, second thing is, I think that people think that this is an all or nothing arrangement when you do go back to work, that you're going to have to exclusively breastfeed. And you know, a lot of people don't. They go back to work, they do some breastfeeding, some bottle feeding, and that's okay. Some people pump their milk, some people get formula, blah, 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 blah. And the point I'm trying to make here is you could totally just wean your baby from the breast totally, which was my example number one, and then go back to work. Or you could go back to work and you could do partly breastfeeding, partly pumping, partly formula, whatever combination you want that works for you. Any of that is possible. And then I think the third thing is about all of the other factors that swirl around the going back to work experience. And that is, many women think that they've got to go back to the same job at the same branch with the same hours with the same boss, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in fact, sometimes just exploring your options might make that look very different for you. So let's say that you... Uh, maybe you work at the bank and maybe you can have the opportunity to work at a branch that's closer to your home and that cuts down your commute by an hour, which by the way, in my neighborhood, that would not be unusual at all. I live just outside of Washington, D.C. So that might really affect how you view whether or not you can continue breastfeeding if you go back to work. But going back to exactly the same job really might preclude the reality here. So I'm just trying to say everybody has to work this out for themselves. There is no one size fits all. And the way that your friend did it is not necessarily the way that you're going to do it. So you just got to figure these things out. Next one. I can't breastfeed, don't want to breastfeed because my fill in the blank, whoever, my husband, my partner, my mother, my whoever, doesn't want me to do it. Okay, that is a fact. They have already stated their case or you have been able to figure out that that's how they feel. And honestly, in in truth, it is very, very hard to do anything when you have lack of support. Unquestionably, it will be tough. It will. Okay, whether it's breastfeeding or hosting a radio show. If you don't have support, it's, it's doggone hard. Now, I've been very fortunate. I have a husband and a family who really, really support all of the crazy things that I do in life. So, you know, I'd like to say I get it, but I really don't because I've never been in that boat. But what I think when you hear people like, for instance, uh, Amy Wright Glenn, who spoke with us a couple of weeks ago. She was my guest, and she talked about unsupportive husbands and spouses. But it could be your unsupportive mother-in-law or anybody else, all right? There is a way, if you are really motivated, there is a way that you can do what it is you want to do, but it isn't easy, it isn't simple, it won't come without a lot of thinking and working through the tangles, but it can be done if you really want to do it. Okay, I don't have a perfect diet. Holy mackerel, how many times have I heard this? Uh, I'll tell you a little story. I remember one time 
that there was a mom who said to the doctor, no, I can't breastfeed because I don't drink milk. And I distinctly remember his response. He said, okay, well, do you eat hamburgers? And she laughed and she said, well, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he said, okay, great. Then you can breastfeed. Here was his point. You've got to have just halfway decent nutrition into your body. All right. You don't have to have a perfect diet. You simply do not need a perfect diet. Your diet should be very self-selected. And by the way, I could probably do a whole show on that too, which is I've seen mothers who give up all sorts of food because they have been told that it's not good for them or not good for their baby or going to make their baby fussy or blah, 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 blah. Almost all of those myths are exactly that. They're myths. Food is rarely the uh, culprit, if you will, for fussy babies. It's way overblown. It does happen. It does. But it's overblown. So I would say, yeah, you good nutrition is important for everybody. Everybody. Everybody who's listening. If there are non-mothers listening, it's good nutrition is good for you, too. So... In one breath, I want to say the nutrients that you do or do not take in, uh, you will suffer because of that. How so? Because the nutrients that you are not taking in will then come out of your bodily stores to go into your milk in order to support the milk that's going to grow the next generation. And I think I've said this before on this show, but if I haven't, now's my time to tell you, yeah, this is all rigged for survival of the species, okay? And I hope that if I can get through more of these myths, because honestly, this has taken me a little bit longer than uh, what I had planned here, I, I hope that I can talk to you a little bit about some specific foods that uh, people tell me that they think they can't have and they don't want to give that up, so therefore they don't want to breastfeed. But anyway, no, you don't have to have a perfect diet. Yes, you can have a self-selected diet. And yes, you can probably eat pretty much everything you want if it's in moderation. Okay, here's the next one. I didn't prepare my breasts before the baby arrives. Oh, brother. All right. You know, when I was a young nurse, we used to tell pregnant women that they needed to, quote, prepare their breasts in order to, quote, toughen them up or toughen up their nipples. Unfortunately, that myth is still floating around today. So what happens is that uh, people are told that they've got to use a rough washcloth or a Turkish towel. I distinctly remember one doctor who told pregnant women that they needed to use a soft toothbrush on their nipples during pregnancy to accomplish this toughening. This is probably the biggest myth that I have ever heard. Uh, it's just stupid. All right. There is no science to back up this assumption and there never will be. Why so? Because actually, to the contrary, when you're rubbing the nipples with a, a rough cloth or a rough towel or whatever it is you're using, it's likely to take off that upper delicate layer of the skin's tissue, that epithelial tissue, okay? So this is like just really, really garbage. If you did not prepare your nipples, be glad, be happy, move on, definitely initiate breastfeeding, you absolutely should. Okay, I don't know if I have enough time to talk about flat or inverted nipples. But uh, 
People will tell me, no, I can't breastfeed because my nipples are flat or inverted. All right. First of all, I think this is kind of a myth within a myth. These so-called flat nipples are probably mislabeled. I have rarely seen a woman whose nipples are truly flat. Almost always, these so-called flat nipples would be better described as short nipples. So let me go on a tangent for a minute and say that it, we call the other we call the long ones long nipples, right? So therefore, the short ones would be short, not flat. But there are all sorts of things that can be done to, uh, well, first of all, sometimes they just spontaneously uh, pop out anyway. Next thing is there's a ton of things that we can do. We can, for instance, offer shells, shields, everters, things like the evertit or the latch assist, uh, sometimes just having the baby on. And sometimes even though the nipples were very short and inelastic last time, with the last baby, sometimes they do much better with this baby this time. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. 
You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And today we're talking about those myths of why women think that they can't get started with breastfeeding or they shouldn't breastfeed or they've been told not to breastfeed or any other such thing. All right, here's one. Uh, I, I, I can't count how many times I've heard, I don't want to breastfeed because it will make my nipples hurt. Deep breath. Uh, it is absolutely true that some mothers experience pain when they breastfeed. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Many women have told me this. Sometimes I can practically see the hurt. Sometimes they jump, they wince, they whatever. I, I know that I know that that part is real. However, the question is, is this normal? Is it fixable? And what can we do? So, I posit that there's actually a kernel of truth to this hurt thing because years ago, I think it was in 2000 when I first wrote my learning module on sore nipples, and it's a publication for professionals, and I've updated it at least twice since then, but I basically said there's four reasons why people have sore nipples. And it's because of, number one, those transient physiologic changes that are just part of just having a baby. Number two, inadequate attachment or detachment of the baby who's nursing, which is basically saying bad latch. Or number three, the use or the misuse of a pump or another product. And number four, there's something really wrong. Okay, there is a wrong, there is an infection, there is a structural problem, there is there is something that is not right, okay? So I absolutely agree that breastfeeding can make your nipples sore, but I want to talk a little bit about that initial transient physiologic thing that happens at the end of pregnancy and at the beginning of breastfeeding, and that is that you will very likely experience what my friend Debbie Bocart calls nipple tenderness. Uh, and that's a really good word because the nipples are tender. The hormones are sort of front and center. And you will notice that you have this tenderness or sensitivity or whatever you want to call it. Okay. And that does not go away right away. It is sort of similar to the nipple tenderness that can occur just before your menses. It's the same kind of thing, your period, okay? Uh, but all of all of that is just normal, and you can have your baby latched perfectly, but you will still have that nipple sensitivity or tenderness, okay? But there's this other thing that goes on that's a little harder to explain, but it is. In the first few days, you don't have very much milk. So what happens? The baby goes suck, 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 suck. And all the time that he's doing the suck, 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 he's exerting negative pressure. And as I like to say, that's a little bit like putting a vacuum cleaner on. All right? You've got that, that negative pressure that 
frankly, doesn't feel all that great. The time when the baby lets up is when he swallows. And of course, in the first few days, he's doing suck, 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 suck. And so that negative pressure is unrelieved. Thereafter, once you get your milk in, then he's going to go suck, suck, swallow, suck, suck, swallow, because he's going to be sucking slower with those long, slow, rhythmic sucks once your milk lets down. And every time that he swallows, he's going to be relieving the negative pressure. Okay? So I guess the thought that I want to leave you with here is that these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that breastfeeding is going to be painful or that it's going to be painful for for now until you wean the baby. It just doesn't necessarily have to work out that way. I will tell you this, though. If you have a bad latch, it does hurt and you need professional help. And if you are detaching the baby by pulling the baby off before you have broken the suction, that also will be a big contributor. And then, of course, there's all the other stuff. For example, you could have a yeast infection. All of those things are the not normal things. And you also need professional, you need medical help for those kinds of things. All right. And there's plenty of other reasons, too. Okay. Here's a big one. People will tell me, I don't want to breastfeed, I can't breastfeed, I've been told I can't breastfeed, shouldn't breastfeed, whatever, because my breasts are too small to make enough milk. All right. Before I tell you if this is myth or fact, let me ask you this. Do you think that people who have big ears can hear better? No? Well then, why would you think that people who have big breasts can make more milk. It just doesn't work. Okay? The breast is a gland, and glands do not have any special capability based on their size. Bigger ears don't make you hear better. Bigger kidneys don't make you have more urine. It just doesn't work that way. All right? The size of your breast is determined mostly by the amount of fat that surrounds the gland. And if you've ever gained 50 pounds or lost 50 pounds, you know what I mean. Breast size changes substantially with weight loss or weight gain. Trust me, I'm living proof of that. So the size of the working part of the gland uh, really differs very little from woman to woman. But that difference has nothing to do with the amount of milk that the, the gland will produce. It does, however, affect the amount of storage that will be in the, in the breast, okay? So it might be that you have a greater or lesser storage capacity depending on the, the size of your breast, but not the amount of milk that you can produce. Those are two different things, all right? So anyway, I guess kind of what I want to drive home here is the size of your breast doesn't really have anything to do with how much milk that you can produce. And I could... Like, just bend your ear forever about the whole process of milk making being a, a positive feedback system, and it just doesn't have anything to do with size, and it doesn't have anything to do with any of this other junk that we tell mothers or that they think or that they read on the internet, okay? It's it's really a lot more elegant than that. Okay, next one. And I'm going to kind of blow by this quickly because I had a guest who uh, did a really, really great job. And that is, I can't breastfeed because I've had breast reduction surgery or I can't breastfeed because I have had augmentation surgery. Not true. 
Uh, you know, in the days before reduction surgery was widespread, we really had very, very few studies to guide our clinical practice and our recommendations. And along about that time, honestly, surgeons, I know this because I actually lived across the street from a surgeon. And, you know, she wasn't really all that interested in un the, the whole breastfeeding thing. Her deal was just doing surgery on breasts, all right? But I think all that has changed. Now I think that surgeons are much more aware that breastfeeding is something women do want to do. We've got better studies. We've got better information. We've got surgeons doing better techniques. And so if you've heard the, a woman who... Uh, had a breast reduction surgery, couldn't breastfeed, that's entirely possible. But I would tell you that it really, it's a little more complicated than that. There are some women who have had their reduction and they can breastfeed exclusively or almost exclusively. Uh, there are others, actually, I can't remember anybody who has done it exclusively but I know that they're probably out there. But for many of them, it's been almost exclusively. And for others, no, not so. Uh, they've had to do a lot of supplementing or they do, they produce more milk on one side than on the other side, all those kinds. So it's, it really runs the range. All right. But I think you just need to get your facts. So I am going to suggest that you go back and you listen to a show that I did a few years ago with Diana West and she really did a wonderful job of telling her own story. In her book, she tells the story of, oh, gee, I've forgotten, but eight or 10 or 12 different mothers, all who had different experiences, okay? Um, so anyway, uh, use the research, use the real-life knowledge, but don't miss the opportunity just because you think that you can't. And I also want to say... Uh, in her book, she addresses not only reduction surgery, but also augmentation surgery. And the reason that I think it's important to look at both of those is that the, it really depends on the technique that was used, the incision, and all of that sort of thing. So it's really not just that you had the procedure, it is how the procedure was done that is actually more important. Okay, next one. I want to take on, which is breastfeeding ties you down. <sighs> I'm going to counter that parenting ties you down. Uh, many women do believe that since the baby is actually attached to your body while you're breastfeeding, that somehow that ties you down or at least ties you down more than if you were formula feeding. Uh, I, I want you to rethink it for just a moment. My good friend, Linda Smith, who also was a guest on this show, uh, she is a lactation consultant based in uh, Dayton, Ohio, and she's been in this business for, oh dear, probably as long as I have been, or close, and she tells the story of going to a football game with a friend. Now, it seems that both women had their babies with them. They waited in line for a long time to get an autograph from a favorite player, but eventually the babies got hungry. Linda was able to offer her breast to the baby, who sucked, was quiet, content, had his fill. But her friend had to go home because the friend didn't have any formula with her. So tell me, who was tied down in that case? 
I would just urge you, before you tell me that it ties you down, I want you to think about what else ties you down. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'll be right back after this short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And we've been discussing the myths for why people think that they can't breastfeed or that they shouldn't breastfeed or 
maybe a time to question when other people have told them that they need to breastfeed when or, or to not breastfeed when in fact they that's just not that big of a deal. All right, so a big one that I hear either early in the game or even after the game, uh, this kind of runs the the whole gamut. Anytime the mother is breastfeeding, I wish I had a nickel for everyone that has said to me, but I had to, I couldn't start breastfeeding or more likely I had to stop breastfeeding because I was on medication, whatever. Okay. There's a whole bunch of stuff going around with this that you've got to get really clear and you've got to learn to be an advocate for yourself. Number one might be, um, don't confuse that there are there are medications that you cannot take while you're pregnant. They may or may not be medications that you may or may not take while you're breastfeeding. All right. This gets a little confusing to people sometimes because, you know, very often even I catch myself sometimes saying about drugs during pregnancy and lactation and it kind of makes people think that they're all in the same pot and that's just not necessarily the case. Now, I want to be real clear in telling you I am not a doctor. I am not a prescriber. I am not a uh, I am not authorized to prescribe and I'm certainly not authorized to prescribe to you or to make the risk benefit decision for you. My job here today is to help you to stand up for yourself when somebody says you can't breastfeed because you are on thus and such a medication. All right. So this gets real hairy and I'm not a pharmacist either. So you can take what I say with a grain of salt or you can try to become an advocate for yourself, which is my great hope here. But I think that moms get kind of nervous when they, they you pick up uh, an over-the-counter drug and it says, do not take if you are breastfeeding. Okay, that statement, I believe, is legally required because when the drug was developed, women who were pregnant or who were nursing were deliberately excluded from the studies that were conducted on that drug in order to get the drug approved by the Food and Drug Administration, that is the FDA. So in a strict sense, I suppose you could say that medications were not approved for the FDA by nursing mothers, for nursing mothers. However, there are a couple of big facts that go with this. First of all, Many of these common drugs have been studied in nursing mothers after the drug was approved for the general public, all right? There is an entire database that is devoted to the safety of drugs for nursing mothers, and it is called LACT-MED. It is run by the National Institutes of Health, and I will spell that for you. It's L-A-C-T-M-E-D and I'm embarrassed to say I've got it marked on my computer, so I can't remember, but I think it's lactmed.gov, I think. All right. So um, try not to get too hyper about these things and try not to be, try not to raise questions until you understand it a little bit better. I think that mothers need to raise questions. I think that all of us need to raise questions about our health, our health care, our medications, our whatever, but try to get the facts before you pop off your mouth is what I'm trying to say. And so LactMed would be a very good source. All right, 
the next thing that you need to know is remember that there are alternatives. So yes, you might have this condition and yes, you may need to be treated for it. But is there a different drug that would accomplish the same thing, but would be compatible with breastfeeding or the risk benefit would be uh, more in your favor? So that's a possibility. Is there something that is not a pharmaceutical that would help you? For example, here's one that I'm thinking of. If you've got a stuffy nose, would being in a room with a vaporizer do the job for you? Those sorts of things. So try to think a little bit beyond just if I'm on a medication, I can't breastfeed. Try to look at those options. Try to ask the right questions. Uh, That's really, really important. So I also want to help you to look a little bit at the media because I think the media really scares people. They say, well, this drug goes through the mother's milk. Okay, that's probably true. It probably does go through the milk. But even though most drugs are secreted through the milk, that doesn't necessarily mean that the amount of drug that passes into the milk will have any effect on the nursing baby. It might, it might not, it might be a little, it might be a lot. All right, but just the passing through the milk is not really what the question is. And further, you need to ask yourself, how old is my baby? A two-day-old is not a two-year-old, okay? So there's a lot of questions to be asked here, but you shouldn't just run right out there and just presume that just because you're taking some sort of a medication that you cannot breastfeed. It just doesn't, it's just not that simple, okay? Or as my wonderful colleague, uh, Dr. Ruth Lawrence, told me years and years ago, the breast is not a sieve, all right? It's really, it's one of those things that you just got to keep in mind. Okay, Uh, here's the next one. I'm rifling through my notes and I'm really trying hard to get to the end here. Oh, I'm not supposed to breastfeed because I smoke. Okay, well, actually, smoking is not a good idea. It's not good for your own health. It's not good for your family's health. Even if you've got your six-year-old or your spouse or your whoever in your house, it's not a good idea. However, it has been years and years, like I can't remember how many years now, but years ago, the um, uh, Academy of Breastfeeding, uh, no, excuse me, the uh, American Academy of Pediatrics said you can't breastfeed if you smoke. But they lifted that, I would say, easily 15 years ago, maybe more. Now, if you smoke, not only is it not good for your health, but you may find that you have difficulty with a letdown. And you may find that because of that, you may be reducing your supply because it's that whole bit with the vasculature, all right? If you've you've got smaller blood vessels, you're going to have less oxytocin-rich blood circulating in the nipples. Okay, I got that. But truth is that, uh, yes, you can. It is not forbidden by any organization that I am aware of. Okay, we had a lot to talk about today, and I think there are probably most many myths out there that I didn't cover, but I think that those are the ones that I have heard the most frequently, and I hope that this has been helpful. But as you know, this hour always goes by really, really, really fast, and so this would be the time when I would say thank you so much for uh, being here today. I really enjoyed talking with you. I hope that's been helpful.
I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday right here on Voice America. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. We'll be right back.